The religion of Islam teaches that Jesus is a prophet of God. We as Christians do too. But we believe he is much more than just a prophet. So how do we share our faith in Jesus with our Muslim friends? This is Evidence and Answers with Pat Zukarin. Dr. Zukarin is a popular speaker, author, and scholar dealing with today's most pressing spiritual issues. Today, he gives insight into Islam from a Christian perspective and discusses how to dialogue with our Muslim friends on the earth-shattering issue of who Jesus Christ is. Now, not only will you find multiple resources on Islam, but on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism when you go to our website, evidenceandanswers.org. Dr. Zukarin's books, articles, interviews with leading scholars, and past radio shows are there for download at evidenceandanswers.org. Browse the topics and then contact us and tell us what you think. We always love to hear from you. That's evidenceandanswers.org. And now here's Pat Zukarin with part two on sharing Christ with Muslims. Even Muhammad did not know what his eternal state would be. Christianity is unique from all the religions in that we can be 100% sure of our eternal destiny. Why is that? Well, because we know we don't stand a chance to earn our eternal life. We know we can't earn it. We know that. We know we're, we're dead in sin. We're dead in the waters, the Bible describes. But we know that someone has paid the price for our sin. And because Christ has done that, we can be 100% sure. But in Islam, because it's works-based along with all the other religions, you can never have that kind of assurance. Muhammad says in the Hadith, By Allah, though I am the apostle of Allah, yet I do not know what Allah will do to me. Finally, Christianity teaches, the Bible teaches, that man is sinful by nature. Romans uh, 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Islam teaches that man is born in a pure state. Therefore, that's why men can earn their salvation. Right? They're born in a pure state, and they have the capability of earning their salvation. That's why they reject the death and resurrection of Christ for their sin. They don't need a Savior to die for their sin. Because they weren't born with a sin nature, okay, they can indeed earn their salvation. All right, so those are some key distinctions here between Christianity and Islam. One of the key things to remember, okay, that Jews, Christians, and Muslims, we do not worship the same God. And you cannot say Jesus Christ is the divine Son of God. That is true. And also teach that uh, Jesus Christ being the divine Son of God is the unpardonable sin of blasphemy. And both be saying we're teaching the same thing. Okay? We're teaching mutually uh, contradictory things. Okay? Mutually exclusive. They both can't be right at the same time. Either Jesus Christ is the divine Son of God or that's the unpardonable sin of blasphemy. They both can't be right at the same time. If one is right, then the other is dead wrong. Now, here are some things to bring up when sharing with Muslims. We have found this approach to be very effective okay, all over the world. This is the apologetics approach here. One of the best things to do is to compare Jesus with Muhammad. Just like last week, we compared Jesus and Buddha. You can compare Jesus and Muhammad. Okay? They have a lot of reverence towards Jesus and even more towards Muhammad. But here's some things that you can bring up when comparing Jesus to Muhammad. Okay? Now, 
You don't even have to use the Bible. Go right to the Quran. Hey, go right to the Quran. Now, if you read the Quran, even in the Quran, Jesus is greater than Muhammad. Take a look. In the Quran, Muhammad has an uneventful birth. Yet, chapter 19 of the Quran, chapter 66 of the Quran, affirms that Jesus was born of a virgin. That Jesus had a miraculous birth. The Quran affirms that. Hey, the Quran affirms that Muhammad was not sinless. He's told several times in the Quran, chapter 47 is a good example, to repent from his sin. Yet, uh, the Quran, chapter 19, teaches that Jesus was sinless. It affirms that Jesus was sinless. Muhammad in the Quran does not do any miracles. Okay? When the people ask, show us, a sign, show us a sign that we may know you are the prophet of Allah, he simply says, well, look at the Quran. Okay? Yet the Quran affirms, chapter 3 of the Quran, chapter 5 of the Quran, affirms that Jesus did many miracles. In the Quran, well, in the earliest biography of Muhammad by Ibn Ishaq and all Muslims know that Muhammad died and he's buried in Medina. In chapter 4 of the Quran, Jesus never died. He ascended unto heaven. Muhammad said that uh, he was a prophet and only a warner. Yet, in the Quran, chapter 4, Jesus is called the Word of God. Muhammad does not know for sure what will happen after death. But even in the Quran, chapter 3, says that Jesus knows the way to Allah. Hey, so you just take a look, even in the Quran. If you just look at the Quran, Jesus does greater things than Muhammad. When you're speaking to a Muslim friend, you bring these points up and you say, look, even in the Quran, even in your holy book, who does greater works, Jesus or Muhammad? If you look at it carefully, Jesus does greater works than Muhammad. And you can ask them, you see, don't you want to study about this guy, Jesus? Let me take you to the earliest, most accurate historical record of this man, Jesus. And in fact, even Muhammad... Even Muhammad encouraged his people in the Quran to read the Bible. He said, if you want to know my words are true, go read the Bible. Hey, I'll show you some passages on that later. But Muhammad encouraged his people to read the Bible. So Muslims don't need to be afraid of reading the Bible. Now, if you look in the Bible and you continue the comparison... Muhammad does no miracles. Jesus Christ claimed to be the divine Son of God and confirmed his claim to his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. In the Bible, Jesus performed miracles over every realm of creation, showing he has authority over every area of creation. Why? Because he is the creator. That Jesus Christ was sinless, even in John 8, when he looked at his opponents and he said, what sin can you accuse me of? They could not find any. There are no prophecies made of Muhammad before he sets foot upon the earth. But you look in the Old Testament, there are over 100 prophecies made of Christ before he sets foot upon the earth. Muhammad was a warrior. He used the sword. And he was involved in uh, 20, 27 battles before he died. Okay? Yet Christ... The eternal Son of God 
died for sinners. Muhammad was overcome by death. His grave is in Medina. Christ overcame death through his resurrection. So who's greater, Jesus or Muhammad? Which one should you be worshiping? And the whole idea that the Bible has been corrupted, you know, uh, that burden really is on the Muslims to prove their point, not us. Okay? Even in the Quran, okay, here's chapter 10 of the Quran, Muhammad said, if you were in doubt as to what we have revealed unto you, then ask those who have been reading the good from before you. The truth has indeed come to you from your Lord, so be in no wise of those who doubt. Chapter 5, say, O people of the book, okay, that's Jews and Christians, ye have no ground to stand upon unless ye stand fast by the law, the gospels, and all the revelation that has come to you from your Lord. See, Muhammad encouraged his people to read the gospels. To, uh, if you want to know whether my teachings are true, go look at the Bible, he said. Now, in 630 A.D., Muhammad then believed that the Bible wasn't uh, the accurate word of God. Muhammad believed that uh, the Bible was accurate in his time. And that's 630 A.D. Now, we have biblical text that predate 630 A.D. We still have them with us. Okay, so if Muhammad thought, okay, track with me here. If Muhammad thought the Bible was accurate in 630 A.D. and we have... Uh, copies of the Old and New Testament with us today before 630 A.D. and thousands of manuscripts as well, okay, then we know we have a very accurate historical work in the Gospels. They have been very accurately translated and transmitted. And if Muhammad thought they were accurate in 630 A.D. and we've got older manuscripts than that, then the case that the Bible has been corrupted completely falls apart. We've got over 5,000 Greek manuscripts, numerous papyrus and parchment fragments, versions, translations, quotes from the church fathers. In all, we have over 24,000 ancient manuscripts to show that our Bible has been accurately preserved and not corrupted. Okay? We've got manuscripts that date as early as 125 A.D. here. We've got quotes from the church fathers, some quoting them as early as the first century A.D. In fact, within the first 400 years, the church fathers quoted every verse of the New Testament except 11. So even if we didn't have the New Testament, if we just went by the quotes of the church fathers, we could reconstruct the entire New Testament. It has been very accurately preserved. Not only that, we've got early canons of the New Testament here. The Moratorian Canon, about 170 A.D., that's a partial. Most of the New Testament's in there. Chester Beatty Papyri, 250 A.D., most of the New Testament's there. And these that follow, Codex Vaticanus, Codex Sinaiticus, Alexandrinus, the Latin Vulgate, Syriac New Testament, all predate 630 A.D. These are complete New Testaments, and we have them with us. Today, so this whole, if Muhammad thought that the Bible was accurate in his time, 630 A.D., and telling his people to go read it, and we've got older versions with us now, then the whole idea that the Bible has been corrupted, 
that argument falls apart. And Muhammad told his people, you know, you want to test the truth of my words? Well, then go read the Bible. He was encouraging Muslims to read the Bible. Therefore, Muslims should read the Bible, something they shouldn't be afraid of. Encourage your Muslim friend to do so. And finally, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here is another very key point. The Quran rejects the death and resurrection of Jesus. While this is central to everything the apostles write about in the New Testament. And we have very strong evidence of the death and resurrection of Christ. It's one of the best attested to ancient historical events. We've got lots of evidence for this. We've got the New Testament. Okay? The Gospels are written about 30 years after the resurrection, well within the lifetime of the eyewitnesses. These are first-generation accounts, several of them eyewitness accounts. Okay? Why is this important? Well, remember, the Gospels are being circulated. The preaching of Christ is being circulated right there in Israel in front of the eyewitnesses, many who witnessed the death of Christ. If Christ was a legend, if Christ didn't die, if, if the grave was not empty, too many eyewitnesses there, too many eyewitnesses in the land of Israel who could have refuted what the apostles were preaching, and the Gospels would have never lasted till this day. Okay? Paul's letters predate the Gospels okay, about 20 years after the life of Christ. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, that creed that stated, for those of you who are here at the Apologetics Conference, 1 Corinthians 15, vast, vast majority of New Testament scholars, liberal, atheist, evangelical, all affirm that this creed was recited by the Christians within five years after the resurrection. Okay, so we've got good eyewitness accounts okay, that Christ was a real historical person. He died and he rose again. Okay, the New Testament, and we've got hundreds of archaeological discoveries that affirm the historical accuracy of the New Testament. Time doesn't allow me to go through all of that uh, with you tonight. Uh, that'll have to be for another time. But not only do we have the New Testament, we have non-Christian sources. There's about a dozen ancient non-Christian sources, or we can call them anti-Christian sources. Hey, because these guys don't like Christianity at all. You, you look at the way they write about Christianity. They do not like Christianity. And when enemies affirm your facts, hey, those of you in law know, that's powerful testimony, right? When an enemy affirms your facts and he has no reason to do so, that, that, that's a powerful evidence in your favor. Josephus here, he's a Jewish historian, and he writes this brief paragraph. At this time, there was a wise man who was called Jesus. His conduct was good, and he was known to be virtuous. And many people from among the Jews and other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. But those who became his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he appeared to them three days after his crucifixion, and there he was alive. Accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah concerning whom the prophets have recounted wonders. Okay, so here Josephus says, yes, there's a historical guy named Jesus. He was crucified under a guy named Pontius Pilate. Uh, three days after, many believe that he had risen. Okay, so Josephus, in that brief paragraph, affirms uh, the gospel account, but that Jesus was a historic person, that he died, 
and many believe that he rose again. Tacitus, one of the most accurate Roman historians, says this, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. Christus, or Christ in Latin, from whom the name has its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of the procurator's Pontius Pilate. And a most mischievous superstition, thus checked for the moment, again broke out not only in Judea, the first source of evil, but even in Rome. Tacitus mentions there's a guy named Christ and that he was indeed crucified. Okay? So we have a lot of historical evidence that Christ was a historical person who was crucified okay? and rose again. Uh, we even have heretical gospel works called the Gnostic Gospels. Even these heretical works affirm that Christ was crucified. Okay? Something that the Muslims reject. The evidence is so compelling You've got two of the most liberal scholars here. Okay? Uh, John Dominic Crossan, the leader of the Jesus Seminar, who rejects 80% of the Gospels as mythology. He says this, that he, Christ, was crucified is as sure as anything historical can ever be. That's from the most liberal guy who rejects the resurrection and the miracles of Christ. Bart Ehrman, he was an evangelical scholar who now is an atheist. And he, he rejects the Gospels as being accurately preserved. He says this, One of the most certain facts of history is that Jesus was crucified on orders of the Roman prefect of Judea, Pontius Pilate. Okay, so here, because the uh, evidence is so overwhelming, even the two most liberal scholars here have got to affirm. Okay, guys that don't even affirm the accuracy of the Gospels affirm uh, that Jesus Christ was a historical person who was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Now, the implications are quite serious here. If Christ was crucified and he rose again, then the Quran is in error because it rejects the death and resurrection of Christ. The Quran, according to Islam, is the perfect book that came down from heaven. It has absolutely no errors. The exact copy that's sitting in heaven is what the Muslims have today in the Quran. If you find one error in the Quran, then it can't be the perfect book from heaven. This is major here. This is a huge error in the Quran that they reject the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Therefore, the Quran cannot be the inspired word of God. The New Test, everything about the New Testament talks about the deity of Christ, the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. That's something that the Quran rejects. And since the Quran uh, rejects that, and, but there's uh, so much evidence in favor of the death and resurrection of Christ, then the Quran cannot be the inspired word of God. You need to ask the Muslim, uh, on what basis do they reject the death and resurrection of Christ? On what basis do they reject uh, the historical death and resurrection of Christ? And here are a couple of reasons they'll give you. Well, because Muhammad taught that. Okay? Muhammad, the prophet of Allah, uh, rejected the death and resurrection of Christ. Well, that's circular reasoning. Okay? That's circular reasoning. You're not giving me a historical argument. Okay? Well, Allah would not allow his prophets 
to die in such a disgraceful manner. Still, you haven't given me a historical argument here. Okay? You're simply um, giving me you know, your theology, but you're not giving me a historical basis for your argument here. The resurrection demonstrates that Jesus Christ is indeed the divine Son of God. And if what the Bible teaches is true, then Christianity is true, and the religion of Islam is therefore false. Okay? Now, this approach has been used all over the world, and we have found it to be very successful throughout the world. If you do it properly, with love and with reverence, many Muslims are coming to Christ as a result of people using what we've taught you tonight. In uh, the country of Bangladesh, in the country of Bangladesh, uh, several people were trained in this method of evangelism to Islam, and an entire village of over 10,000 people you know, came to Christ within one year. Okay. So this has been a, a very successful, powerful approach in witnessing to Muslims. As we close, I want to share with you about a good friend here wrote a great book, Understand My Muslim People. Okay. Islam does represent one of the great challenges, not only for Christianity, but for Western civilization. And we have got to meet that challenge with truth and with love. And God is doing a great work in Muslim countries and in the lives of Muslims today. Abraham Sarkar, a friend of mine, grew up in Bangladesh. He grew up in a Muslim family. His family were leaders uh, of the Islamic community there. And he would go to the mosque each day and he would pray for several hours. Well, as a teenage boy, about 17 years old, he really wanted to know Allah, and he went to the mosque, and he prayed, and he said, Allah, I want to know you. Would you make yourself known to me? And he remembers that night he, w he went home, and he had a dream that he was burning in the pit of hell, and there was a figure reaching out to him, but he didn't know who that was. Okay? And he had that dream several times. Well, one day he finally went to the mosque and he said, you know, Allah, I am not leaving here until you make yourself known to me. I am not going to leave this mosque until you make yourself known to me. And he prayed all afternoon. And then he said about five in the afternoon, something, some kind of oil anointed him. And it smelled like perfume. They could smell it out into the parking lot of the mosque. People were coming in saying, where did you get this perfume? Where did you get this oil? You know, he said, well, I don't know. I was just here praying and Suddenly, I'm just drenched in this oil here. And I, I asked him, I said, Abraham, uh, you sure that wasn't your sweat? You know, he goes, no, it wasn't. Really, it was some kind of perfume that I was anointed with. And there came a peace upon me, and I knew that um, Allah would make himself known to me. Well, eventually he was trained and sent by his parents as a Muslim missionary here to America. And while he was on his way here, somehow God spoke to him and said, read a Bible. Read a Bible. Well, he had never seen a Bible or none where he grew up in. So when he came to America, he landed in the city of Detroit. First thing he did, he went to the public library 
And he went up to the librarian, and he said, I'm looking for a book here. It's a difficult book to find. I'm not sure you have one. And she goes, well, what is it? And he said, it's called the Bible. And she looked at him and said, we've got two rows full of Bibles here. And he looked, he's so surprised. And, and she said, obviously, you're not from here. Where are you from? And he said, well, I'm from Bangladesh. And she said, oh, we've got one in your language right here in Bengali. And she gave it to him. And he said, there he read about Jesus, the Jesus he had read about in the Quran. And he finally came uh, to read a full account of the life of Jesus Christ. And he realized hey, that Jesus is far greater than Muhammad. In fact, Jesus is far greater than any man who has ever lived. And he came to accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And now he is a powerful missionary to Muslims all over the world. His testimony is there at evidenceandanswers.org if you want to listen to the whole thing. Hey, but we've got to meet the challenge of Islam with truth and love. Let's get equipped to engage our world for Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining us on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucherin. It's our hope that you've gotten a lot of good information from this program, and we'd like to hear from you. Go to our website, evidenceandanswers.org, and give us your feedback. Browse our resources while you're there, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. And no matter your spiritual background, we think you'll find fascinating topics and an intelligent presentation of the claims of Christ. We also would like to ask you to support us financially. Your gifts help keep this program on the air. Just click the donate button when you go to evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org, and we'll see you next time on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerin.